Hey guys, Luke McElroy from Mets Performance Consulting. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast, joined by Nick Jankoskis again today. Uh, we've got a question from Rob today, who uh, is a, a cyclist. He races crits and he's training for Amy's Grand Fondo. Hopefully it goes ahead, but don't cross your fingers. <laughs> um, he's got a question about VO2 max or comparing VO2 max from an A-grade cyclist to a B-grade cyclist. So his, his question is essentially, is it fair to assume that an A-grade cyclist is going to have a higher VO2 max than a B-grade cyclist? And if so, is the sole focus of training to, to increase VO2 max so you can go up the grades? Uh, Nick, do you want to start off by having a, a, a brief chat about um, just some, some general thoughts around A versus B-grade riders and and VO2 max as a whole, maybe the physiology behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So in general, I think um, if everything's, everything's equal, most people would sort of assume and and you'd be reasonably right to say that A grade races typically would have much higher VO2 maxes, but more importantly, they would have higher power at VO2 max. I think that's the, probably the key part of the, the equation is that, you could, I see it quite a bit when we do we do testing in the lab. The, the difference between an A grader and a B grader may not be 65 to 70 mils per kilo per minute in terms of actual oxygen consumption. It might be 330 watts at VO2 max versus 420 watts at VO2 max. Um, so, so that's where it, it's it's not just looking at VO2 as oxygen consumption. It's looking at well, what are we getting for that for that actual physiological investment in terms of what the body's outputting. Um, as a result so obviously that then means that well if you can't go any further or any further past in terms of vo2 max than say 330 watts well you're not going to be able to have that ftp of 360 that might be required to be an a grade a grade racer um, we, we know there has to be some sort of gap given that ftp is that theoretical 45 to an hour intensity um, or steady state intensity and vo2 max for most people is going to be somewhere between sort of four to six minutes based on a flat out time trial so it's it's the type of thing that I mean there has to be some sort of gap. So unless your VO two max is significantly higher, we're not going to be able to lift up that FTP that might be required. So in those in those cases, I mean there's there's a little bit of similarities there, but largely it comes down to well, can you actually produce that output? Um, but ultimately, yeah, majority of the time the A grade races will also have a slightly higher um, actual oxygen consumption value. Partly that's going to come from most of the time we see that the A graders might be um, a little bit more advanced in terms of physiology. Maybe they've trained for a little bit longer, um, have more years in the sport potentially, which is going to be a big factor to adaptation. Uh, might be the types of sessions that they're doing versus a B grader. As you gain more experience, you learn a little bit more. You might do some, make some smarter decisions in terms of your training. Um, all of that can accumulate to, to build up over time and allow you to have that slightly higher VO2. Um, but like I said, it's more so not necessarily about oxygen consumption because you could absolutely have a B grader who's got a VO2 max of 75 or 80 even. Um, but they might only, like I said, they might only be able to produce a small amount of watts. So sitting in a group, um, sitting in a bunch, if they're if the bunch is rolling along at pick a wattage, 270 watts, but that's just below your FTP, well, you're gonna be pretty cooked, aren't you? Whereas if that's sort of top end of your zone two, because you've got a massive VO2 you're going to be a lot more comfortable. And that's really the main difference um, that I would see in terms of, I guess, lab-based results between A grade and B grade. Yeah, I think you make a good point about VO2 max power and not VO2 max as a, as a number. So the mils per kilo number, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant because that's not true at all, but you've got to take into account economy, your, your running economy, your cycling economy. So here, 
you know, you, you might have somebody with the same VO2 max, but as you said, athlete A gets the VO2 max at 420 watts, but the athlete B gets it at 350. And that's just because athlete A is a lot more economical. They take a, they've got a, a, a better pedal stroke. They're not wasting energy. They're not rocking at the top of the body, things like that. So um, power at VO2 max is, is really important. And we always talk about the, what, what is the most uh, reliable indicator of who's going to win a, an endurance race. And it's, it's velocity at lactate threshold or power at our power functional threshold. threshold. And that is the case in here. We, we want to have the highest power at our threshold. And that's going to be, I'm not going to say that's going to be who wins, who wins a crit race because there's lots of lots of tactics, sprinters versus breakaway and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of, yeah, let's talk about time trial effort just for, for the moment, um, taking out aerodynamics and things like that, it is, it's the power at threshold, which is going to determine who wins and who loses. And a lot of people go, well, VO2 max doesn't matter. Like you don't, you don't work at your VO2 max, so it's, a, it's an irrelevant metric. Well, it's not because it's, your threshold is always going to be a percentage of your VO2 max. If you, for example, have a VO2, you hit your VO2 max power at 300 watts, I know for a fact that you go down to Sandown A grade, they're averaging 340, 350 plus for the, for the race. Do the math. You're never physiologically going to be able to, to keep up with them. So it, one, you're never going to hold FTP at hundred percent VO2 max anyway, but even if you could, if it's 300 Watts is your top end, then it's physiologically impossible to go above that unless you increase that VO2 max. So um, we know that, you know, the average person, their FTP will be about 70% of VO2 max elites potentially could get to 95% at the absolute top end, but there's no, there's no extra scope for improvement. So if your top end is 300 Watts, maybe you can get to two, 290 or whatever the maths is, you know, as your FTP, 285, but you, you can't increase that any further unless you increase your engine size, which is your VO2 max. So VO2 max, although it's not necessarily the indicator of who wins and who loses, it's that, that power at threshold. If you want to get that power at threshold up, you can only do so much before you then have to increase the size of your overall aerobic engine, which is your VO2 max. So based on that, it's a fair, it, take out drafting, take out tactics, take out sprinting, um, all that, let's just talk about time trialing for a second, take it aerodynamics, then the higher the VO2 max, the, the more scope for a higher threshold you've got, and that's going to be the difference between an A and a B grade cyclist, yeah, yeah. or an A and a C, A and a D, whatever it is. So VO2 max is really important. And for the most part, most A graders are going to have a higher VO2 max than a B grader if all else is the same. But that being said, we can talk about tactics and things like that because I guarantee you, there, at least from a mils per kilo perspective, I guarantee you there were a lot fitter athletes than myself back when I used to race. But I got into B grade not because I was uh, an aerobic machine, even though I, no, I'm not not even close. It's all about the sprint finish. Yeah, I just I just sat in the pack all day and Correct. tried to save energy, and then I've got a good anaerobic capacity. So the last thirty seconds, off we go. But I found no diff. I found B grade easier than C grade. Because I think the fitness levels were probably pretty similar, um, but from a tactical perspective, B grade was a lot smoother into corners. I didn't have to waste energy by braking and then getting out of the saddle and accelerating because that cooked me because I wasn't that fit. I was just all about the sprint finish. Um, so I found sitting in the pack easier in B grade, even though we were holding an extra two or three k's an hour average speed. Um, it was a more consistent power output across because of the better bike skills. But then that said, when it came to the sprint there was a lot more tactics involved and it wasn't just if you're sitting in third wheel in the last, you know, the second last corner of Sandown, you can just go and win the sprint, which you couldn't see because you'd have a team of <laughs> 10 people coming on your, on your outside. 
um, and you lose your positioning. So then tactically, it was harder to win B grade, uh, but that was tactics, not due to physiology. So there's, there's lots of different scenarios that, that play a part. But what I'm saying is that I think the B grade riders are probably fitter than the C, but I found it easier in B because it was smoother. It wasn't that up and down power output. Uh, if you look at the normalised power, C grade would have been higher because everyone's just braking and then getting out of the saddle and things like that. So I've got a little bit off topic, but in a roundabout way, I'm saying that higher VO2 max is never going to hurt. It's always going to be better. You recover better. You have a higher potential for a higher uh, functional threshold power. It's always going to be good. But then when you're looking at something like crit racing, you can you can get around having with having a slightly lower aerobic fitness lower vo2 max if you're really tactically smart yeah yeah 100 and i think and the, the key part to remember out of that is is it's the the output that we're getting as well it's it's, it's all about what are you getting for that vo2 and so when we are talking about higher vo2 max it's, it's got to be oxygen consumption and or power and specifically power has got to be up and i like i guess a, a little thing that i was having a conversation with an athlete the other week um talking about this this sort of similar thing they want to jump up up the grades it's like most most b-grade riders who go and r- ride with a-graders during their training rides during the week if you've ever experienced that sensation of like that a-grade rider is literally just sitting there having a chat to you and you're just absolutely gassed but you're just rolling along up a climb or whatever it is that's the example of the difference we're talking about it's just lesser percentage of their total engine so if you can save energy by having a bigger engine it makes perfect sense that you're going to be a lot more comfortable when the pace is on um but yeah the, the tactics play a the, a huge part like like we said like you, if you can sit wheels better if you can roll through corners better if you can minimize how many turns you take off the front and how long you're on the front for all of that is going to play a bit of a part but that that's that's just smart and that's almost the more racing you do probably you're going to do a little bit better in that period rather than actually going and training it's it's going to be going and practice racing um that's potentially nothing to do with the physiology that you've got it's just making smart decisions um as most most athletes would know it's just like it could be a marathon it could be a road race like you just pick the wrong time to go and it and it doesn't end well it's like well i make a smarter decision on when i want to go and when i when i should hold back you'll be able to save yourself that's not necessarily who's got the bigger engine it's just who made a better choice uh, at the at that time in the race um and how it sort of plays out as a result so yeah anything I mean, else we, yeah no, that's, I think that's it. But as you said, like we, the, the, the general understanding is that, you know, you're saving 30% of your energy by sitting in behind somebody. So, you know, in theory, 30% less power output. So, hmm. yeah, obviously there's a lot of tactics that play a part. But I think as a summary for today, um, overall, a higher VO2 max is always going to be beneficial um, so long as your pedaling economy remains constant. You don't want to be wasting energy. So a higher VO2 max is going to be good for um, increasing the, the potential to have a higher FTP. It's also going to um, decrease your recovery time, so you recover quicker. It's going to increase your oxygen kinetics, so you can get up to like a steady state quicker. You get your oxygen consumption up faster. Therefore, you're going to have less lactic acid buildup. And Which I think- is really, I guess, it, on, on touching on that, is important in cycling, given that's a, generally a slower kinetic oxygen kinetic sport comparative to something like running. I mean, if we can yep. get, you can get your oxygen consumption up quicker compared to the person next to you. Bonus. Um, yeah, you know, have lower lactic acid and therefore yeah. less anaerobic contribution, less heavy legs. And the, and the last one that, I, that came to mind for me, being a sprinter, is if I can have a higher VO2 max and I can come into that last corner with a higher anaerobic reserve, I'm, I'm not, I don't have eight millimoles of lactate in my blood already. I'm sitting at like four and I know I can go to say 12. Well, I've got, yeah. I've got more power output for a longer period of time before I totally blow up. 
So having a higher anaerobic reserve capacity, meaning I can go, I can do a sprint for an extra instead of being unfit, I can do it for 15 seconds, being fit, I can do it for 30. That's obviously a massive benefit coming into a sprint finish. So higher VO2 max is always going to be better. It doesn't always necessarily correlate to who wins, but it's always, if you want to get your engine as hot as high as it possibly can be, and then do some specific training to get that FTP up and, and get your race skills up and all that sort of stuff. So uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, any, if anybody has any podcast topics that they would like covered, please send them to Nick, nick at metsperformance.com, or you can send us a message on Instagram at metsperformance. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Hey, podcast. Nick from Mets here. Hopefully you enjoyed another great episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. If you want to keep up to date with any future episodes we produce, other content we create here, or just anything that's happening in the lab here in general, be sure to click the link below. Sign up to our weekly updates. We're going to receive some absolute gold in terms of what's happening in the lab, what are we seeing and observing, and also some of our old content as well that you might have missed to further understand the science behind endurance performance. So if you are interested, make sure you do click the link below, sign up for those weekly updates, and head over to our social media as well. Follow us along at Instagram at Mets Performance. Head over to Facebook. We have a great YouTube channel as well. Be sure to check out all of our great content that is already up there, but also some of the great stuff that is coming soon. Thanks again. Be sure to share the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed another episode and we'll see you in the next one.